In the summer of 18, London was visited by one of the most tremendous thunderstorms that have been known in this climate. Its character and effects, some of which latter form the subject of this chapter, will make me remember it to the latest hour of my life. There was something portentous, a still surcharged air about the whole of Tuesday, the 10th of July, 18, as though nature were trembling and cowering beneath a common shock. In the exquisite language of one of our old dramatists, there seemed a calm before a tempest when the gentle air lays her soft ear close to the earth to listen for that she fears steals on to ravish her. From about eleven o'clock at noon, the sky wore a lurid, threatening aspect that shot awe into the beholder to startled fancy the notion that within the dim confines of the laboring air mischief was working to the world. The heat was intolerable, keeping almost everybody within doors. The dogs and other cattle in the streets stood everywhere, panting and loath to move. There was no small excitement, or rather agitation, diffused throughout the country, especially London, for strange to say, and many must recollect this circumstance, it had been for some time confidently foretold by certain enthusiasts, religious as well as philosophic, that the earth was to be destroyed that very day. In short, that the tremendous judgment was at hand. Though not myself over-credulous or given to superstitious fears, I own that on coupling these fearful predictions with the unusual and almost preternatural aspect of the day, I more than once experienced sudden qualms of apprehension as I rode along on my daily rounds. I did not so much communicate alarm to the various circles I entered as catch it from them. Then again I would occasionally pass a silent group of passengers clustering round a street preacher, who, true to his vocation, redeeming the time, seemed by his gestures and the disturbed countenances around him to be foretelling all that was frightful. The tone of excitement which pervaded my feelings was further heightened by a conversation on the prevailing topic which I had in the course of the morning with the distinguished poet and scholar, Mr. With what fearful force did he suggest possibilities, what vivid, startling coloring did he throw over them? It was, indeed, a topic congenial to his gloomy imagination. He talked to me, in short, till my disturbed fancy began to realize the wildest chimeras. "'Great God, doctor,' said he, laying his hand suddenly on my arm, his great black eyes gleaming with mysterious awe. "'Think, only think, what if, at the moment, we are talking together, a comet, whose track the peering eye of science has never traced, whose very existence is known to none but God,' is winging its fiery way towards our earth, swift as the lightning and with force inevitable. Is it at this instant dashing to fragment some mighty orb that obstructed its progress, and then passing on towards us, disturbing system after system in its way? How? When will the frightened crash be felt? Is its heat now blighting our atmosphere? Will combustion first commence— or shall we be at once split asunder into innumerable fragments, and sent drifting through infinite space? Whither, whither shall we fly? What must become of our species? Is the scriptural judgment then coming? Oh, doctor, 
What if all these things are really at hand? Was this imaginative raving calculated to calm one's feelings? By the time I reached home late in the afternoon, I felt in a fever of excitement. I found an air of apprehension throughout the whole house. My wife, children, and a young lady, a visitor, were all together in the parlor looking out for me, through the window, anxiously, and with paler faces than they perhaps were aware of. The visitor, just alluded to, by the way, was a Miss Agnes P., a girl of about twenty-one, the daughter of an old friend and patient of mine, her mother a widow, with no other children than this, resided in a village about fifty miles from town, from which she was expected in a few days' time to take her daughter back again to the country.